Bureau. We invite you to call in today. Salt Lake City is 254-5855. Ogden is 670-5855. Provo and Utah County is 470-5855. Again, this is Rick Kerber with Free Capitalist Radio. Today I've got a good friend of mine, an economist. He's got a master's degree in economics. He's also got a bachelor's degree from BYU in Japanese. So if we get too bored less today, we're going to have you talk some Japanese to us. Uh, Les is a founding partner in a financial firm in Utah County called Ingenuity. They've got four offices across Utah. They teach people of innovative estate engineering. And Les is a founding partner again, and they teach people principle-based economic decisions for themselves, their families, and their businesses. Most of Les's clients are entrepreneurs who are doing really well. Les and I have joined together many, many times in our Free Capitalist Project. We teach these basic principles of capitalism like you've been hearing about on the radio every day from 9 to 10. So today, Les, what we want to do is we want to talk to the listeners a little bit about some of the principles we teach. So let me just ask you, as I'm on the radio and people call in and they talk to me and they say, well, Rick, I'm a capitalist. You know, I mean, I believe in the free market, but, you know, there's got to be price controls for oil, or, but there's got to be regulation for this. I mean, what do you say to clients when they say, well, I believe in the free market, but... Well, Rick, whenever I hear someone say they believe in capitalism or freedom, but, but is always a red, red flag for me. <laughs> because what it's saying is, I believe in it, I just don't believe in it that much. Um, yeah, I, I want to believe in it, but, but there are just these other things I'm really concerned about. Right. Let, let things I don't care about be taken care of in the free market, but if it affects me personally, like the price of gasoline or the price of housing or something that affects me or my family personally, then I want the government to get involved and, and start controlling things. What's the effect of this kind of thinking? I mean, in your experience as you work with clients, and, and you've, got, you've got a share of wealthy clients, people have done really well, but what, what is your experience um, or your judgment? Um, what, what happens in people's lives when they think this way, when they think, well, uh, you know, I believe in the free market, but there are all these reasons why the government should be involved, why we need regulations and price controls and we need welfare and, and, and things like this. Uh, what do you think? I mean, what happens in their life? Well, it destroys prosperity for themselves and for others. And I should I should start off by saying that I think people who talk that way are generally well-intentioned. I don't think that they're intentionally uh, creating problems for themselves or others. But self-reliance is really the key issue here because as soon as you want someone else, be it your employer or the state or your neighbor or your family, to take care of you and start solving your financial problems, what you're saying is, I don't want to be responsible for myself anymore. And if out of kind-heartedness you want the government or, or someone else to take care of a certain class of people, a ethnic class, religious class, um, uh, socioeconomic class, what you're saying is, I don't, I don't believe that these people are capable of being self-reliant, and so we should step in and help them. And as soon as, as, soon as you stop believing that you or others can be self-reliant, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because that, that very statement starts to destroy self-reliance. And instead of asking yourself questions like, what can I do to make this better, you start asking, who's going to come along and make this better? And you get in the mode of sit back and wait and see and, and wait for the world to change so that I can finally start to prosper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the times we see people where they want to maybe improve their financial situation, they want to make more money, they want to have a better retirement plan, uh, but they're hamstrung or they, they, they literally are holding themselves back by these thoughts of scarcity. 
um, one of the things that uh, you taught me when we first started meeting together, you said uh, there are no sacred cows. You've got to be willing to question your assumptions. T- tell me about that a little bit. I mean, in, in your background, when you do, uh, when you work with people doing this innovative estate engineering, what does it mean that there are no sacred cows? Well, I would just say, ask yourself, um, and if you're a listener, ask yourself this question right now. What would it take for me to be financially successful, or what could happen that, that, in your opinion, would be the best possible thing for your financial success? And generally, people come up with answers like get a raise, get a better job, um, get a degree, get a better 401k or benefits package. But a lot of times, the answer has something to do with somebody else out there making a change that's going to help me positively. How rare it is that somebody says, the thing I could do to become more financially prosperous is I could start producing more. I could start creating more value. I could start being more innovative. I could start thinking more about other people and how to serve them rather than just focusing on what's in it for me. You, you rarely hear people give answers to that question that are based on self-reliance. It's almost always based on some form of luck or coincidence or charity. Give me a stock tip or tell me what a good product is to buy. Right. Well, I heard someone the other day say that actually down at a famous university in this state, uh, someone teaching down there said, forget about being an entrepreneur. It never works. 95% of businesses fail. That's a, that's a path to misery. The only, they, now, those of you who are just tuning in, I'm not saying this, I'm quoting somebody. They said, the only path to financial prosperity is a 401k. <laughs> well, you know, that initially raised a few questions for me, which is, what in the world did the Americans who came along before 401ks do? You know, like, I didn't hear, I've never heard George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or Adam Smith over in Scotland. I never heard any of these guys talking about 401ks are your only hope for prosperity. And yet, even at universities, which are politically conservative, economically conservative, supposedly support freedom and free markets, even at universities like that, you hear people saying, Get somebody else to take care of you. It's your only hope. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things you've heard me say a lot, and, and a lot of our clients joke around because I always say train, taught, and educated, but we live in a world where everybody is trained, taught, and educated that um, there's, a, there's a way to get um, uh, healthy or successful financially, and it's do the things that you know these big financial institutions tell you to do. I mean, uh, you know, you need to have a 401K. You need to have, um, you know, especially because the employer is going to match. You know, if you put a dollar in, uh, you're your employer is going to put a dollar, and that's a guaranteed return on your investment, you know. And so we've been trained, taught, and educated to think that way. But you just you just talked about the founding fathers, and you just talked about um, uh, capitalism. But but before less, you said uh, it's very rare to hear somebody say, "Well, what can I do to produce values for others?" You know, if I if I want to increase my financial position, what can I do to produce value for others? Now, uh, I don't think the average person thinks that sounds like capitalism. I mean, <laughs> we get I got a caller yesterday, and I, I got a lot of feedback where. Excuse me. They said this uh, guy called in, real nice guy. I uh, hope he's listening today. Um, I asked him if he was a socialist because he, when we did a little candy bar exchange, which you're familiar with, he told me he thought the candy bar was worth a dollar. And I had a lot of feedback yesterday going, why'd you call that guy a socialist? But people's ideas of what capitalism is and what it really takes to make money or, or to be profitable in the free market is much different than what you would uh, hear from most people on the street. Well, can I give you what my definitions of capitalism and socialism are? Please, please do. Socialism is a philosophy where you think of the word socialism and the root word is social. Social meaning the public. Okay, well, who is the public? The public is nobody. The public is a bunch of individuals. In the end, it's all just people. And socialism is a philosophy that says that the responsibility 
to efficiently and productively allocate capital rests on the public. And the representative of the public is always the government. And so socialism is philosophy where it says it's the government's job who's representing the people. Like even in the Soviet Union and, and a lot of these communist countries, it's the people's republic of whatever. And right, so the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so e even then, uh, the government supposedly is representing the people, and socialists believe that it's the government's job to allocate capital um, in the name of the public. By contrast, capitalism, the root word being capital, capital is very simply a resource of production. Production means creating value for somebody. And so in capitalism, in contrast to socialism, what that means is that individuals take on to themselves the responsibility to productively and officially allocate capital in the places where it's going to be most valued and, and most uh, productively used. And so capitalism is a system where I'm responsible for making sure that capital is used efficiently. Socialism is a system where everybody else is responsible for making sure that capital gets used efficiently. Well, you said earlier self-reliance. I mean, if if capitalists say that I've got to use capital uh, efficiently, nobody can do that for me, right? I mean, um, it's interesting. We it, people often, you know, uh, divide themselves into Republicans or, or Democrats or liberals or conservatives. Um, but I find uh, so so often that everybody is is repeating the same financial mantra and uh, for example it doesn't matter what government official you are nowadays it's like a foregone conclusion that it's the government's job mm -hmm. to even create jobs right not not just manage capital but um, I mean President Bush says you know here we're doing really well last last quarter the government created this many jobs and right. I thought to myself where's that in the Constitution of the United States that it's the government's job to create our jobs the government can't create jobs all the government can do is get out of the way and let producers create jobs. Jobs are always created by entrepreneurs. Government can't create jobs. Right. And and again, it's by saying it's the president's job or some government representative's job to create jobs, what you're saying is it's the government's responsibility to produce, not my responsibility. You know, we call people socialists sometimes and we get a chuckle out of it when we do, and maybe people are offended by that, but it's not intended to be offensive. What it's saying is when I call somebody a socialist, what I'm saying is, listen, man, the way you're talking, you don't want to take responsibility for your own life, and you don't want to take responsibility for productivity in this country. You want other people to take that responsibility. If you want other people to be responsible for what's going on in the country or in your individual life or in your family, by definition, you're a socialist. Right, right. And and so when we say you're a socialist, we're saying, hey, check your thoughts. Turn, right. turn your brain on. You and, know, you know and, and in politics, it's interesting. You and I talk about this a lot, but, but you hear Republicans and Democrats arguing about issues, and oftentimes it seems that the only disagreement is on what the government should do to fix the problem. Democrats say the government should do this, and Republicans say, no, the government should do that. But both sides are saying the government should fix it. And how rare it is that you hear anybody saying, "Hey, maybe it's not the maybe it's not the government's responsibility to fix this. Maybe if the government just said, "Listen, be self-reliant, be prepared." You know, like with this hurricane down in New Orleans, and and the ones in Florida. If what if the government said, "It's not our job to take care of you if something bad happens, so be prepared yourself." 
Yeah, these are great, great thoughts. We're going to keep talking here with Les McGuire, founding partner in Ingenuity. Uh, we are partners together in a project called the Free Capitalist Project. So we've invited Les to join us every Wednesday on Free Capitalist Radio. Les, thank you for being here. We look forward to talking with you more. We also look forward to getting some calls uh, after the break. Two five four five eight five five in Salt Lake City, six seven zero five eight five five in Ogden. 4705855 in Provo and Utah County. This is Rick Kerber and this is Free Capitalist Radio. Actually, looks like look, looked like we got a few extra minutes left. Let, let me let me ask you a question. Um, if you were to say there's one thing, one thing that somebody could do to start making progress in in finding prosperity in their own life, what would that one thing be? Well, the, the the first answer is very easy, and that is make the decision that prosperity is up to me, not up to anybody else. And as soon as you become convinced that the only person who can help you is you, that's the start. The second thing I would say would be once you've decided that you're going to be responsible for yourself, the next step would be ask yourself the question, what could I do to create value in the marketplace? Because in the marketplace, if you want to make money, whether you're an employee, whether you're an entrepreneur, no matter what it is that you do for a living, if you want somebody else to give you money, you've got to do something for them that entices them to do it. No one's going to just come along and give you money for nothing. <laughs> and, if they, and if they do, you should be cautious about that because it's a violation of basic principles. You know, you talked about your candy bar analogy where if I buy a candy bar from you for a dollar and I pay a dollar for that candy bar, then clearly the candy bar has got to be worth more to me than the dollar was worth. That's right. why I'm willing to give up a dollar for it. Right. And to you, the candy bar has got to be worth less than the dollar, um, or else you wouldn't have given it up for a dollar. And see, if I want to, the thing people don't understand, and this is basic economics, is every single dollar of income that you receive comes from another person. I would challenge you to come up with a single example of, of a dollar of income you can receive that did not come from another person. Even if it's gold or, or real estate or something like that, it's another person who gave you the money. Right. And they've got to value what you gave them or what you did for them more than the dollar they gave to you. Right. Les McGuire, thank you very much. Again, we'll be back with Les after the break. This is Free Capitalist Radio live in Salt Lake City. Welcome back to Free Capitalist Radio. This is Rick Kerber with a guest, Les McGuire. We were just talking to a caller called The Communalist. Now, Les, uh, during that discussion, you know, we hear this all the time, uh, some real theoretical arguments like this argument he was trying to advance and, and some real practical arguments, but um, you want to address that for a minute? I mean, there appeared to be this contradiction where he was saying, look, I, didn't, I, had, to, I had to do something I didn't want to do uh, because I had to get the money, and I didn't really want it. I didn't really want to be there. Um, but, but because capitalism, you know, I have to go do something. Well, that caller represented a mindset that we, we often call victim mentality which is, I have to do this, I have to do that, my life is what other people make it. Um, for instance, I have to go to work. Well, unless you have to go to work, you have to earn money. My response to that is, no, you don't. You don't have to go to work. You could just sit at home and be broke, and, and they say, well, you have to eat. And I say, no, you don't. You could die. It, see, the saying I have, to, I have to eat is a victim mentality. Saying I choose to live is an empowered mentality. Absolutely. And so instead of saying, I have to go to work, why not say, I chose to go to work? Now you're not the victim anymore. Yeah. Even if you don't like your job, say, I choose to go because it's, it beats the alternative. If the alternative is sitting at home and starving, then even going to the job I hate 
beats the alternative. And now you're not a victim anymore. You're deliberately choosing your life. And once you, once you get in the habit of choosing your life, then you can start strengthening that habit and start choosing other alternatives that maybe you don't hate so much anymore and, and saying, well, geez, maybe I could choose a different job or maybe I could choose to create value in a different way. And I always, I, I sometimes say to people, do you want a hug or do you want to fix your life? Because I, I feel like a lot of times people just complain and their only purpose in complaining is to have other people give them verbal hugs that say it's not your fault, it's not your fault, you're the victim. If the world would change, you know, your life could be good. And, and I, hey, if you want a hug, great. There's nothing wrong with that. But be honest about it. Don't complain expecting something to change or to get better. Complaining doesn't make things better. Yeah. Complaining might get you some sympathy, but it's not going to make anything better. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that, that you said when we just started on the uh, air today, you've got to be self-reliant. If you aren't going to make a choice that you're going to be responsible for where you are in life, then, then you're actually making a choice that you want others to be responsible for where you are in life, and then you want to complain about them. And so you actually are choosing, mm -hmm. right? I mean, one way or the other. One of the things I said the very first day on the radio uh, here at the Free Capitals, I said, there's one thing that I hate worse than being broke, and that's being deceived. And when you start to talk in terms of socialism, you find that there are real, no, you and I agree in this, there, there really are no such thing as socialists in the purest sense. There are those who are deceived and those who are capitalists who are uh, immoral, who are selling socialism to people so that they can gain, so that the person who's selling socialism can gain. But this, this caller that we just heard from, um, he, he sounded a little deceived. And, and, and the reason why I say that is his first statement was, I didn't want to be there. And then, then he said, but I wanted the money. And, and then I said, well, but you want, and you said, you want the benefit from society. No, he goes, no, I didn't want anything. Well, but yeah, you're deceiving yourself. You wanted the money. You wanted the consequence of the no, money. He says, no, I needed the money. Right. I, needed, I didn't want it. I needed it. I needed it. And see, that's the victim mentality I'm talking about. See, if, if uh, people who think that way would get real honest with themselves, they would say, look, I didn't need the money. I could have just not gotten the money and died. But I, ch I prefer to live, right. and I prefer to have the money. And, and as, soon as, you, as soon as you get honest about your behavior, human beings are self-interested creatures. This was discovered thousands and thousands of years ago, and you can argue it till you're blue in the face, but, but there's a preponderance of evidence that proves that human beings are self-interested. We act in our own good. And the, but while we're self-interested, if we're so self-interested, why do we do things that ultimately damage ourselves? The reason is because what you're saying, we're deceived. We don't see the consequences of our behaviors. We think that we we think that complaining is going to make things better, but we're deceived when we do that because it won't. Right. All it does is it it roots us deeper into victimhood. And the people that rally around us when we complain about our lives, we call them our friends, but they're just they're just entrenching us deeper and deeper and deeper into that mindset that we have and they're drastically reducing the odds that we'll ever come out of it I mean a true friend is a person like you've heard friends don't let friends drive drunk I say friends don't let friends be victims friends don't let friends be socialists <laughs> when when I complain around my friends we my friends and I have trained each other to to not be in this victim mentality and what my friends do when they hear me start complaining is it's kind of an inside joke they'll say Les do you need a hug <laughs> and then we all start laughing, and it kind of snaps me out of that mindset, and I realize, yeah, I was just sitting there complaining. I wasn't doing anything about it. The two most productive questions I can think of to ask are, what would it take to make this better? 
or what can I do about it? Right. What are you going to do about it? Right. I taught my eight-year-old and six-year-old in in a in a family home evening one night. I said, "Hey, in our family, let's let's be self-reliant." We explained what we explained what self-reliance meant, and I said, "The way we can help each other is if we hear if we hear someone in our family complaining, we can say, okay, what are you going to do about it?'" And it's amazing. The six-year-old and eight-year-old understood that. They took that on, and now. I see my, my little kids running around. One starts complaining and crying. The other says, what are you going to do about it? And the one who was complaining and crying instantly snaps out of it and does something about it. Mm. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, very good. Uh, that, that's so amazing. You know, uh, I, to, to be real practical, I appreciate you sharing the example in your family. Uh, Michelle and I just had an experience where uh, we met a woman um, through a, a very interesting situation. We uh, adopted a child, and we met the birth mom who was living a very difficult life. She was living in uh, government project housing in a major city in the uh, Midwest, and when we met her, um, she was talking about how, how hard things were, and, and I mean, she literally lives on, you know, like 10 to $30 a month. That's the difference between her discretionary income, and she was talking about the trap she was in, because if she went to go get a job, the government would decrease her support for her housing, but she couldn't stand being in the housing because there were drug people all around, and I started doing this with her, and I said, well, what could you do about that? And the more, and Michelle started doing the same thing in very respectable tones, and and you know, after a couple of days, uh, she asked, you know, well, what could I do about it? And I said, well, why don't you read this book? And I gave her a book, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I said, would you read this book? And uh, she said, yes, I'll read this book. And I said, that's, that's something. See, you're starting to do something. And she had enough faith to read the book. Well, then, uh, probably a month later, uh, we were contacted by her, and she sent me a list of questions, like seven questions. What is a stock? What is a bond? What does it mean to invest money? What's the difference between a loan and a, and a grant? And, and she started asking all these questions, and I thought to myself, isn't it amazing? That simple conversation, asking yourself the right questions, can take a person who's grown up without self-reliance. Everybody around him is dependent on the government, etc. But this person has a driver, desire to change their life. She didn't want a hug. She wanted to change her life. She, she was becoming a capitalist, slowly. Her self-interest was expressing herself in those terms. And then uh, she wants to start asking these questions. So I answered the first question, what is a stock? I took seven pages and answered the question. And now she's talking about, you, well, what if I started my own business? Could I do this? Could I do this? And she's starting to think like an entrepreneur. Now, you know, she's not obviously uh, out of her hard life overnight, but she's already happier. She's on the right track. Her paradigm has shifted. Right. And uh, as soon she's as asking it, questions she's never asked before. Yeah, and, and then she's got power that she's never had before. You know, in uh, groups that, that treat addictions, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and places like this, they talk about a concept. Lester, I apologize. I didn't warn you. There's a break coming up. We'll, we'll talk about this concept when we get back. You're listening to Free Capitalist Radio. Welcome back to Free Capitalist Radio. This is Rick I'm the Free Capitalist. We're here with a special guest, Les McGuire. Les, thank you for being here. By the way, if you've got a question for Les, if you'd like to join in our discussion, 254-5855 in Salt Lake City, 670-5855 in Ogden, 470-5855, Provo, Utah County. Give us a call. This is Free Capitalist Radio. Now, Les, you were talking about uh, some principles before we went to the break, and uh, one of the things that's very important is we've got to uh, be very clear on these principles because it, 
it matters. It changes our whole life. And if you want to talk about retirement planning, if you want to talk about estate planning, if you want to talk about real estate investing, if you want to talk about any entrepreneurial venture and you're not first clear on these principles of capitalism, uh, you, you fall prey to the traps and you end up in, in, in a worse place sometimes than you even started out and you don't understand why and you think you're a victim. So That's anyway, right. why, don't you, why don't you continue on with your thought there? Well, I was, I was mentioning before that groups that treat addiction and addictive behavior, they have a concept that they call rock bottom. And they say people who are trapped in, in a vicious cycle will not get out of it until, in their mind, they have hit this uh, psychological point called rock bottom. Now, rock bottom isn't a place out in the world. Rock bottom is a place in your brain where you basically say, okay, enough is enough. And you, you, become, you come face-to-face -face with the consequences of your behavior, and, and you really see it for what it is. Well, I think that when we're talking about self-reliance, and, and specifically financial and economic self-reliance, you have to hit rock a uh, rock bottom of sorts, like like this lady you're talking about who um, you adopted this child from. She had hit a point in her mind where she said, hey, enough is enough. And in addictive behavior, the reason we don't stop it is because we're getting some something that we perceive to be a payoff from the behavior. Well, when it comes to finances, the payoff in not being self-reliant is having it not be my fault. Mm -hmm. my, my payoff is, hey, I'm, I may be broke and miserable, but the payoff is at least it's not my fault. Right. And I feel good when other people validate that and say, hey, it's not, it's not your fault. Right, that's the payoff. Yeah. Well, sooner or later, you'll, one of two things will happen. You'll either live that way your whole life, and, and then you'll die. Or sooner or later, you'll say, the payoff of having it not be my fault and getting all these hugs isn't worth it anymore. Right. I've had enough. Right. And when you get to that point where you've had enough and you're, and you're tired of people just telling you it's not your fault and you're ready for something to actually change in your life, that's when you start to be self-reliant and that's when you start to say, okay, what can I do about it? What am I going to do now that I was never willing to do before? And the first thing is you've got to be responsible for yourself. Okay. Well, let, let, let's apply that. We've got a caller. Uh, we've got Peter in Salt Lake City. And Peter, uh, welcome to Free Capitalist Radio. Um, Let's see. Peter, Rick Kerber, Free Capitalist Radio, here with Les McGuire. It looks like you've got a question. Uh, it sounds like uh, you've got a situation where you're uh, kind of asking, how, how does this apply to me? How does it apply to me? I've never had sight, and I guess the value I might have is some, somehow creating some hospitality type of business or something like that that I could that I might be able to do somehow, maybe starting from home or something like that until I can get some travel uh, help. And I'm just wondering whether uh, what there might be for something like me to earn enough money or even maybe later for investments or something like that to, to give me some money. Okay, Les, what would you say? Uh, we've got a guy, Peter, he wants to produce some value, right. but he's got a disability. What, what, what do you say to a guy like that? Well, Peter, first of all, I, I applaud just your, your tone um, in your conversation here. You're, what you're doing is you're thinking of things that you could do that other people might value and that they might be willing to pay for, and that's the first step. Um, just w when you find that your predominant thought throughout the day is, what could I do that other people would value? Now you're thinking like an entrepreneur. Now you're thinking like a capitalist. And that's the first step. Um, 
I don't, I mean, if we, if we had more time, we could probably brainstorm with you and maybe come up with some specific things you could do. I don't know that right now is the best time to do that this very second. But the principle here is exactly what you're doing, which is saying, hey, I'm tired of being dependent. I want to be free, and the way I'm going to be free is by creating value for other people. And, you know, we all have disabilities. Some of our disabilities are more obvious than others, and there's no doubt that some of us were born into situations that were more advantageous than others. Uh, we're not disputing that. When the Founding Fathers said all men are created equal in the Declaration of Independence, they weren't saying we're all born into the exact same circumstances. What they're saying is we're all equally valuable, we're all equally important, and your self-interest is as important as my self-interest is. And you have you know, a disability that is going to make your challenges unique. And you just have to rise above that and say, what can I do in spite of my disability what can I do to create value in society? And I assure you, there are many, many people who have had your exact same disability who have done phenomenal, phenomenal things. I guess one piece of specific advice that I would give you is maybe do a go to the library or get on the Internet, do a little research about people who have had your, your specific disability and find out what they have done see to what, overcome it. See what they've been able to produce in terms of value. Yeah, Rick, some ideas from that. Yeah, Rick, you told me that you know you had a business that that didn't go so well one time, and mm -hmm. and you decided you wanted to get out of that situation. And you told me that what you did at first was I'm going to find people who've done it, and I'm going to study them, and I'm going to study what they did, and use them as a model. That's exactly right. By the way, uh, those of you who have more specific questions, you can go to freecapitalist.com. You can drop us an email. Um, I invite Peter. Anybody else who's got uh, um, some areas in their life where they want some more specific uh, kind of discussion that we might not have time to do here on the radio, freecapitalist.com, or uh, please feel free to give us a call here on the radio. We're happy to have you on the show and talk about the basic principles. But you see, this is what, what it was for me, Les, is, you know, capitalism was a dirty word when I thought it was win-lose. When I thought, you know, I had to go do something that was dishonest or, or of questionable nature to get ahead, and then I realized that wasn't capitalism. But the, the thing that got me ahead is that I started to think correctly that, for example, like you just said, if I want some money, uh, uh, if that's what I want, then obviously somebody else has that money. And what am I going to do to get that money from them? If I can't steal it from them, um, if I can't lie to them, um, I'm going to have to do something or create some value uh, that, that they're going to value more than their money. What could you do that would make them want to give you that money? Yeah. And, you know, some people talk about how unfair it is that certain people are rich. And I heard you say once, uh, who's the richest guy in the United States? And you said Bill Gates. And you said to the group, who deserves to be the richest guy in the United States? And, you know, there were all kinds of different answers. And one of the things you said is, how much value has Bill Gates produced? You know, how many people on this earth um, have their lives affected on a daily basis because of the value that's been created by Microsoft. It doesn't mean they're a perfect company. It doesn't mean Bill Gates is a perfect man. But as a producer, what a producer. He's produced enormous value. Well, Rick, I'm, as you're speaking, I'm looking at a computer screen that software that his company produced. I mean, the listeners wouldn't be hearing our voices right now if it was not for Microsoft or someone else who'd done what Microsoft has done. And so whether you like them or don't like them, you have to admit they have created a ton of value in this world. A ton of value. Well, I, I was reading a book by Norman Vincent Peale called Positive Imaging, and one of the things that he said is you've got to stop looking at what you don't have. 
you've got to stop thinking in terms of lack and what you what you don't have and you've got to start thinking in terms of what you want to do what you want to accomplish what you want to have and then you ask yourself these questions like you're talking about and uh, by the way to our listeners uh, we had a number of people we're giving away a book uh, Milton Friedman's Capitalism and Freeman or uh, Capitalism and Freedom and on Friday we're going to discuss that book and one of the things I was so surprised to read from Milton Friedman is he said that everybody has within them the potential to be an entrepreneur and even if you just have a job where you're selling your time uh, or renting, if you will, your time to your employer for money, if you think about that from the perspective of an entrepreneur, how can I be more productive? How can I be more effective? It, then it, it changes your whole paradigm versus if you think about it as a slave and as a victim, then you become a socialist and you want somebody else who has more power and more authority to fix things for you. Well, w what percentage of the founding generation in America, the founding generations, what percentage of those guys came here because they had a good job? <laughs> I mean, I heard that as late as 1900, as, as late as the turn of the century to 1900, 95% of Americans were entrepreneurs. 95% of Americans were entrepreneurs, and the people who become prosperous today, a huge majority of them are entrepreneurs because the principles of capitalism lead to prosperity. This is Free Capitalist Radio. This is Rick Kerber with Les McGuire on KTalk AM 630. Welcome back. This is Rick Kerber with Free Capitalist Radio. We've got special guest Les McGuire with us. Les, I appreciate you being here. We've been having a good time talking about the principles of capitalism and of prosperity. We've had a few callers with some good questions. Now, I should let the listeners know that one of the reasons we have Les on the line uh, or Les on here in the uh, studio with us is so that you have the opportunity to learn these principles from someone who's not just a, a person who writes books or a person who's just a college professor, but Les is out there doing it. Uh, I met Les out in the business community, and we were both surprised. Uh, we, we were doing two different things. I was in the real estate world, uh, buying and selling real estate, and Les was in the uh, financial services world, and we were both quoting the Founding Fathers and talking about the Constitution. I don't know if you remember the first question you asked me, Les. Do you remember what that was after the, you came to a seminar I was doing? I asked you if you had read a book, I think. Yeah, I, you, he asked me, I had quoted Adam Smith, and I had quoted Wealth of Nations, and you were pretty surprised, I think, that anybody had read Wealth of Nations and hadn't been assigned to do that. And uh, you'd come to a real estate seminar, and I was teaching people to get rich in real estate. You had to read the Wealth of Nations. And then you said... Uh, have you read The Theory of Moral Sentiments by Adam Smith? And I said, no. And uh, we became fast friends because I don't like it when people are smarter than me. So, uh, uh, Les, don't let that go to your head, but thanks for being here. Uh, what would you suggest to a guy like Peter who called in or the listeners who might be having questions and saying, look, this sounds good, but, man, I, I, I don't even know what to do about it. Um, tell them about your curriculum for wealth a little bit and how they might be able to learn more about that. Well, Rick, both you and I, uh, each of us have businesses that are set up specifically to help individuals implement these philosophies that we're that we're discussing on the air. I mean, in my mind, uh, a one-hour radio show is not the time to do one-on-one -on -one consulting necessarily. Uh, it's more to talk about principles that apply to everybody. But any of you who are listening, who this is ringing a chord with you in one way or another, or, or even you have just more questions that you'd like answered, or even better, you would like to find out how your particular situation fits with these principles and philosophies. Uh, my business and Rick's business are both designed specifically to help individuals implement in the real world, um, real world strategies, real, real world techniques, things you can do to implement these philosophies. Um, Rick's business is Franklin Squires. You can find them at franklinsquires.com. Uh, my business is Ingenuity. You can find us at Estate, E-S-T-A-T-E, 
engineering.com. Uh, we have, you mentioned we have a curriculum for wealth. It's a curriculum designed to teach these principles and how to implement them. Um, if you're interested in knowing more about what we do, our, you can reach us uh, at 801-226-2326. Uh, we're happy to help anybody who has specific questions. Um, but our purpose here today is, is more to talk about the philosophies that, in, in my mind, Rick, people wouldn't need to call um, and ask specific questions if they could really just understand the principles that we're teaching. Just based on this discussion, they could take these, be self-reliant, start asking themselves better questions, uh, find, you know, wherever you're at right now, if you're sick of it, just say, this is rock bottom for me. I've had enough. And I'm going to start doing things that I've never done before, starting with taking responsibility for my life. And anybody can do that. You don't need to, you don't need to pay a consultant or, or take a class <laughs> to do that. I mean, you, you can be sitting in your car or your office, wherever you are right now, and say, enough is enough for me. I'm ready to make a change, and it's up to me. I'm not going to wait around for George Bush to solve my problems. Yeah, or, any, or anybody else. I'm not going to wait around for my mom because it's not my mom's fault I'm broke or my husband's fault or my dad's fault or my neighbor's fault or my uh, pastor's fault or my bishop's fault. It's, I'm going to be responsible, and I'm going to start feeling my brain with good ideas because as we say here on the show every day, ideas have consequences. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about national politics or city government or whether we're talking about economic or whether we're talking about uh, entrepreneurialism, ideas have consequences. And uh, you're responsible for your own ideas. Right. And if you've got bad ones, uh, just ask yourself, how are they working for me? You know, and I don't even like to use the word good and bad so much. I mean, I, I like to use useful or not useful. Mm -hmm. And if you say, I'm the victim, it's not my fault, uh, this happened to me, that happened to me, that might be true. I mean, you might have a lot of evidence and a lot of witnesses that support that story. My question isn't whether it's good or bad or true or false. My question is, is it useful? How's that working for you? Is that story getting you what you want out of life? We spend so much time defending that our story that we're making up about our life, that our story is true. We spend so much time defending that it's true. We don't ever ask the question of, is it serving me well? Is it, is it a useful story to tell? Whether it's true or not. Whether it's true or not. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Les, I'll tell you, this has been a, a great treat, and we look forward to having you on each week. I, I think you won't find many economists, folks, uh, or anybody with a master's degree in economics or business administration uh, who will be talking to you about these things, because most people who are out there in the world have yet to ask themselves these important questions. We've been trained, taught, and educated to let other people ask those questions for us, and we're all driving to work at the same time every day, living the same kind of story.